No sound. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Sorry, we just prayed. And it still worked, even though if you didn't hear it. But I was just saying, <laughs> how do I do these things? Anyway, uh, thanks for telling us there's no sound, no sound, no sound, no sound, no sound, no sound. There should be sound now. Is there sound now? Say, yes, Father. <laughs> anyway... It is 3 p.m. on February 9th here in the USA. It's 9 p.m. in France and 9 a.m. tomorrow morning in New Zealand, as we have been told. I text someone to call him. Take a great look. I can't hear. You still can't hear me? Yeah, you can hear me now. Good job. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. I forgot to hit the button. I do it all the time. Anyway, usually they come running in here and says, Father, there's no sound, there's no sound. Anyway, we prayed, prayed, we prayed. Even though you didn't hear it, it still counts, trust me, that God is still uh, present to us. Today we're going to talk about confirmation and uh, the power of confirmation. And uh, like I've been dealing with the sacraments these last uh, three weeks, right? We already dealt with baptism. Last week, we dealt with penance. We could have dealt with the Eucharist, but that's what we'll deal with next week. And then, um, but I want to deal with confirmation by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you notice, I'm not giving a class on the what of confirmation or the, uh, I'm talking more about the spirituality, how to use the gift that you and I have been given and to live the power of confirmation. So it's not a class on just uh, this is what happens a confirmation. It's a class on how to live the grace of confirmation all the days of our life. And again, the outward sign of confirmation is what? The laying on of hands, the bishop or the priest uh, designated by the bishop uh, puts his hands over the whole crowd or lays them on the top of the head. And then the sealing of the oil, the oil of chrism, which means the anointed one. You know, it's used at... Uh, uh, baptism, and it's used at confirmation, and it's used at ordination, the oil of chrism. The bishop, um, the bishop tells us, uh, or the bishop uh, says to us, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Huh? And then he puts the oil of chrism on our foreheads in the sign of a cross. And then again, it used to be they used to slap you, you know, but then, but then they say, Peace be with you. And then the person responds, and also with you. And a person takes a name for confirmation to show that uh, they're being transformed by the Holy Spirit. I was just with our uh, diocese uh, yesterday because I'm going to be doing uh, the retreat next October for our kids that are being confirmed in the diocese. And my biggest thing with them, and these people are so good. I mean, they're so good. It uh, gives me such great... Uh, hope that our diocese is really concerned about not just sacrament, uh, giving sacraments to people, but leading them in to be disciples. Because I think that if you ever notice, if your own kids, your own self, you got confirmed and nothing happened. Why? Because faith wasn't present. 
And faith needs to be present, especially for confirmation, because you're making a act of, I want to surrender my life to God. I want him to fill me with his Holy Spirit that he start giving me a baptism. And I want him to increase that spirit within me. And I want his spirit to set me on fire so people will watch me burn, not just go to the sacrament, get some money, have a party, and then continue to live my life the way I've always lived it. It's much, much more than that, huh? And so the laying on of hands and the anointing of chrism is the outward sign. Instituted by Christ means it's in the Bible. Now, where is it in the Bible? Do you know? I am guessing every single one of you know that confirmation comes from a couple places, but the main one we focus on is in the Acts of the Apostles. Huh? You can also talk about when Jesus says he breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Spirit, which we talked about last week with the gift of... Um, uh, conversion of penance, you know, the gift of forgiveness when he gave him the Holy Spirit to forgive sins. But here in, uh, I always love, we begin with um, one verse, chapter one, verse eight, right before Jesus ascends into heaven. He gives his promise to the apostles and he gives that same promise to us. One, chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Huh? So God gives us his power so that we can witness to him. So that doesn't mean we use, you know, like I've been involved in the charismatics forever and I have them all around and they used to talk about, I got these gifts, I got these gifts. Get over yourself, get over yourself, get over yourself. It's not about these gifts you have. It's you are given gifts so you can be a witness not to yourself and your gifts, but to Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all called to do. Once we've been confirmed, we become adults in the faith, if you will, is the old theology that we can witness to Jesus, that we can bring other people to Jesus, that our life is no longer our own. And so everything changes in us. Huh? And so that's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where God gives us a hint what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And then in chapter 2, upon us, it says, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, when the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place, and suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind that filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to do. So when the Spirit comes upon us, he transforms us. He sets us on fire so that other people will come to know Jesus. Again, what do you do to bring other people to Jesus? Again, some, uh, I was put on this uh, thing earlier the last couple of days, and people were sitting there complaining again about the church. And I just thought, if you would sit there and take just half of the energy you have bringing division and talking and talking about how everybody isn't as orthodox as you and these people are, are strong, and thanks be to goodness we're fighting against all this stuff, and start bringing people to Jesus Christ? Are you kidding me? Can you even imagine the world, what it would be if each of us who call ourselves Catholics would be set on fire by the Holy Spirit and start bringing other people to Jesus instead of complaining about the church and the Pope and about these people who are liberals or conservatives? Why do we waste our time? Why? We need to be bringing people to Christ. And some people say it's afraid, but that's why, if you ever read my book, Be a Man, and if you haven't read the book, uh, 
What's the matter with you? Why haven't you read the book? Because I'm not a man, Father. Okay, I get it. But those men who are listening, if you ever read the book, I spend four chapters on the Holy Spirit. Four. Why do I spend four chapters on the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is the core of what it is to live the Christian life that we can't do it ourselves. And when we try to do it ourselves, that's when we get in problems because then we're trying to live Christianity by following rules instead of living Christianity by the power of God's Spirit. You know, I've been traveling a lot this last week and I just did a lot of praying and a lot of thinking about how God just wants us to be on fire for him and to bring others to him. And the world is dying, literally, in the darkness. And we're complaining about um, rituals and orthodoxy and everything else. When we can all proclaim the greatness of truth, we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And if we start proclaiming that to everybody, and then after they come to know Christ, then we hit them with what it means to be in Christ. Again, as I've talked about, before God gave the commandments, he first set his people free from slavery. We give sacraments, we give commandments to people who have never experienced being set free from slavery. We try to confirm kids who have never experienced Jesus Christ. We give sacraments to people who have no knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so at baptism, it's supposed to come from the family, but how many families truly know Jesus Christ? We gotta be in relationship with Jesus Christ and have faith. So when God gives us the sacrament, it transforms us. It just does. You know, here, it, again, we're going to Timothy. This is 2 Timothy, verse 1. I mean, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 6 and following. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 6. And again, as I've talked about this before, uh, many times, and this is Titus, which we talked about, we celebrated him a couple of weeks ago. For this reason, I remind you, and again, I told you he's a bishop and a priest. And there is no difference. Someone says, why do you say that? It's just because he's not just a priest, he's a bishop. So here he is. May I remind you to stir into a flame the gift that God had given you through the imposition of my hands. For God did not give us a power of cowardice or fear, if you will, the old translation, but rather of power of love and self-control. Strong, loving, and wise is the old translation. So, what we need is to have a heart that's open to God's Spirit and that we got to truly desire. That's why I always say it's important we have a daily prayer of the Holy Spirit and that when the Spirit of the God comes to us, we got to be open to that. Again, I've used the analogy of I want to give you all of Lake Erie. I got it. I can give it to you. But you got, I can only give you as much as you can receive, right? So if you come to me with a thimble, I'll give you a thimble full of water. If you come to me with a cup, I'll give you a cup full. If you come to me with a bucket, I'll give you a bucket full. If you come to me with a barrel, I'll give you a barrel full. If you come to me with a truck, I'll give you a truck full. If you come to me with an empty lake, I'll give it all to you. God wants to give us his Holy Spirit, but how much we receive is how much we're open to. So if we're closed to the Holy Spirit, I don't want the Holy Spirit to take control of my life. I never invite the Holy Spirit in. I don't fan into a flame the gift God gave me when I was baptized and confirmed. I just want to be the way I am. That's why sloth is a deadly sin. 
that I don't care about growing in the spiritual life. I want to stay just the way I am. People of God, if you want to stay just the way you are, you're dead and nobody told you. If you're not growing, you're dying. If you do the same theology, the same prayers that I have done the last 50 years, 60 years, 80 years, this is just the way it is, Father, shut up, I don't want to hear from you. Then you're not open to truth. You're not open to everything God wants to give you. You're not open to the power of your spirit. The more you empty yourself and open yourself or become naked before God, the more he can give you. If you say, nope, I want it just the way it is. I like it the way it is. You start to die. You become like the Dead Sea. Just receive and stop. Don't want to grow. So you got to, you know, I keep saying, I just want people in my parish, people, the people I speak to is just to want to grow in the Holy Spirit. Not this is the way we've always done it. Not father, that doesn't work, but shut up and listen to God's spirit for a while. Open yourself to the spirit of the living God instead of just saying, this is the way I like it. And looking back at the past and thinking God has been dead for 2,000 years, God is alive and he's leading us. And we need to get behind Jesus Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit and start following him. Instead of looking back, I like the way things used to be. Well, that's very nice, but that can be deadly. Do you live in a spirit of fear? What's going to happen to the church? I don't know. Don't you know? Are you, if you live in a spirit of fear about what's going to happen to the church, where's your faith in God? Don't you believe this is his church? Don't you believe he has the power to take anyone out of it that he wants and put anybody in that he wants? Don't you believe he has the power that at the end everything's going to work out? Why are we running around crazy thinking it's up to you and me to change things? If we have faith, we already know the spirit of God is working. And the Spirit of God will have his way. And the Spirit of God isn't going to just listen to you and me and tell him, this is the way things should be in the church. He says, shut up. This isn't your church. It's mine. And I will lead it as I see fit. That's who God is. And what we do is we submit our wills to the will of Almighty God. We don't try to get him to submit to my will. Never, ever. That's not the way things work. And so when the power of the Spirit comes upon somebody, they live a life very different. They live a life that's life-giving, not death-dealing. They have the power of God's, it's like the dynamite of God, if you will. We have nothing to fear. In the Spirit of the living God, when he comes upon us and we fan into a flame the gift that God has given us, we become strong. We become loving and we become wise. As I was just down in, I had a fine, fine time down in, uh, I was in Phoenix last uh, Saturday, and I, speak, I spoke to the, to the men of there. I was the first speaker, and uh, the writer George Weigel, you know, he wrote the book um, Witness to Hope. He spoke after me, and so after I was done getting all excited, as I, as I do, I walked into the green room, and he says, oh, Father, uh, I'm going to at least give the guys a break on their ears. So he was saying I was too loud. I don't know if you got that. I get that way here too. Can you get that? And uh, But to me, that's part of where the power is, to stir into a flame the gift of God. There's a bunch of men that are sitting there, and my job is to uh, give anointed talks 
spirit of, I always pray the Holy Spirit and I let the Holy Spirit take over so that these people can get on fire. And like I said, I'm not here to give you my opinion. I'm not here to give a, uh, dissertation about where I think the church should be going. As many Catholic uh, speakers are, they're giving their opinion and they're giving, and they tell people what they want to hear and uh, they get strong and say, come listen to me the way I think. I'm not there for any of that. Hopefully, God have mercy on me if I am. I'm there to bring people into an intimate relationship with Jesus so that they can start praying and listening and let the spirit of the living God take control of their lives so that they can go be witnesses. So for you who listen to me first time or many times, how do you bring people to Christ? Are you witnessing to other people what Jesus in his mercy has done for you? Or you just tell people, you got to follow the rules if you're going to be a good Catholic. Really? <laughs> I'm running away. I don't want to be one of those people. I'm just following the rules because you can follow the rules and be an atheist. Don't you get it? Following the rules will save nobody. You need intimacy with almighty God. You need to be doing his will every day. And what does he, God tells us. This one of the very first things the spirit does, it says, you do not know how to pray. And you go, Father, I think I do. I say my rosary every day. I do divine mercy chaplet. I know how to pray. Well, then you're calling God a liar because God says you don't. Huh? He says the same thing to me. You don't know how to pray as you ought. Therefore, the spirit prays within you. And so when you and I go to pray and the spirit takes over, how does the spirit pray within us? Again, what does the word of God say? That's why it's so important you spend time reading the word of God. What does God say? Not what the saints say. What does God say? God says the spirit within us cries out, Abba. And what's Abba? Papa. Is that your relationship with God? Every time you pray, do you let the spirit of the living God to take control? And then do you cry out, Abba. That's my surrender word. Huh? That when I get crazy, when I want to uh, uh, go off in one of my tirades. And again, what I've been doing is not a tirade, this thing. You might be thinking it is, but it's just trying to get everybody shook up by the spirit of living God. <laughs> anyway, uh, but when I get angry and all that kind of stuff, or someone's irritating me, or I want to go off and make judgments, I always tell my guardian angel to remind me to come into God's presence. And for me, the way I can come into God's presence almost immediately is just saying, Abba. Then instantly I come into the presence of Almighty God. But I don't do that by me. I do that by the Spirit of God within me. That's the way I can connect with the Spirit who cries out within me, Abba. And then when I cry out and I look at God as my father, then everything changes because then I can look at the world through his eyes. I can look at the world as the father embraces me. So I can look at the world through grace and in strength and in love and in wisdom. Because again, when we pray in the Holy Spirit, <laughs> nobody... <laughs> 
People on my staff are texting me in the middle of a thing. Isn't that special? Uh, about a retreat for Sunday instead of listening to my podcast, which why would anybody on my staff listen to my podcast? Anyway, that's all beside the point. So that I need to say Abba for. Abba. So the reality is that God takes control of us when we even make the sign of the cross. It's in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. And what happens when we do that is the Spirit of living God, when we say the Holy Spirit, amen, takes us and brings us into the intimacy of the Trinity. Isn't that fantastic? Brings us into the intimacy of the Trinity. And that's what we're called to live in. Not look at God up there somewhere where all he does is judge the world and I get to judge the world with him. And part of us, we do have to judge, uh, but we judge the way God judges from the cross. And then we sit there and we enter into this so that I become strong in God. You know, remember, the, I'm sure you heard the story of a kid that was on a... Uh, a uh, ship and the ship was going crazy. It was in the middle of a big storm and people were screaming and going crazy. And this kid's just sitting there smiling. And they come running up to the kid, aren't you afraid, aren't you afraid? And he goes, of course not. Why aren't you afraid? Because my dad's the captain. He had deep trust that his father was gonna get him through all this stuff. Do we have that type of faith where God's in control, period? He doesn't need me to, you know, bring the world to damnation. He gave me the Holy Spirit to bring the world to salvation. Right? So that's the whole point of what God wants you and I to do is bring people to salvation. So how do we bring people to salvation? Well, we meet them where they are, right? Because when the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, what did they do? They start speaking in different tongues. Everybody heard them in their own tongue, which means very basically they met them where they were. They spoke their language. Sometimes we need to speak the language of the pagans so we can bring them into intimacy with Jesus. We can't speak another person's language if we're just standing back and judging them. You know, again and again, the way Jesus does it is the way we must do it. So when it comes to Zacchaeus, he doesn't sit there and say, Zacchaeus, you repent, and then I'll come to your house. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm gonna come to your house tonight. I'm gonna have dinner with you. Spoke his language, enter into intimacy with him. And Zacchaeus changed. That's what we're called to do. Huh? Isn't that the craziness of it all? That we do it opposite and we think we're doing it the way God does it. But you can find examples of how God uh, condemns first in the Old Testament. Sure you can. But Jesus is the fullness of revelation of who God is. God is love. Well, what does love look like? How does God deal with us? How does he bring us to him? First of all, he becomes a baby. He becomes one of us, very vulnerable. He teaches us the truth, and then he dies on the cross for us. And all that is done by the power of the Holy Spirit and his humanity. Remember when the Spirit came upon him in one, uh, Mark 1, verse, chapter 1, verse 11? 
when Jesus was baptized, it says the, the spirit living God came down upon him and the, the father says, you are my beloved son with whom I am pleased, which we talked about for baptism. But with confirmation, we got to be doing the same thing. Confirmation is about increasing our relationship with God, making us strong in him. But we have to make that choice. That's why I'm a big affirmer of holding um, confirmation off till later when a kid can make a decision. Because when we just give kids confirmation, they don't have faith yet. And so that's why I was excited when they asked me to do the confirmation retreat for the diocese because I have an opportunity to get out of the way and ask the Holy Spirit to bring these young people into intimacy with Jesus so that they can live forever. And then I will give them the prayer of Cardinal Mercier or, you know, there's many out there, St. Augustine, I told them whatever prayer of the Holy Spirit, and I'll give it to them after they commit their lives to Jesus Christ, which is always a big thing, that <laughs> it just isn't superstition. It isn't automatic. You have to make a decision for God. You have to, for yourself, and that's what confirmation is supposed to do. Your parents' faith when you were baptized as a baby, uh, was placed there to give you the sacrament, but you have to accept that. And hopefully by confirmation, you have accepted that. You've accepted Jesus as your Lord, your God, your Savior. You've let him take control of your life. And then after you have done that, then the Holy Spirit comes upon you. After you've had this intimacy set, set free from your slavery to sin, then the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We gotta do it in the order that Jesus Christ did it. So, for you, those of you who have been confirmed, have you explicitly surrendered your life to Jesus? Saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my God and my Savior. That means he is in charge of everything. You don't do anything without his permission. He is your Lord. You are his slave. You, he is your God. You are his beloved son or daughter. But you have to surrender yourself to that. And then... Do you live by the power of the Holy Spirit, seeking his will every day? Are you a person who tries to bring others to Jesus? Not to judgment, not to condemnation, but to Jesus. Once they know Jesus, Jesus is going to lead them to all that stuff you want them, that you want them to go. Jesus will lead them. Trust me. He's God. He wants them to be saved. And so if you lead them to Jesus, Jesus will take them to the, where they need to go. So often, many of us are wasting time by only being focused on ourselves and our own spirituality. But an authentic spirituality, one that lives in the Holy Spirit, is always other-centered, always wanting to bring others to a relationship with Jesus. So are you doing that? If not, don't go crazy over it. This is the time to begin. That's why you're listening. So ask God, surrender yourself completely to Jesus Christ, to ask him to come in and take full control of your life, and then ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit, and then be open to him, that you can have the power of God inside of you, that you can be strong and loving and wise, and so that you can truly be an instrument of salvation to everyone in your life. This is the call of God. And this is the power that happens at confirmation. I encourage you, don't just go to the motions. 
surrender and let the dynamism, the dynamite of God, the Holy Spirit, set you on fire. The people will come to watch you burn. You got it? You get it? Are you going to do it? <laughs> you better. May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen. I know I got a little excited there, but I love, love talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I just think that this is one of the greatest things. Do you, do you notice this? It's kind of falling down. I swear it's going to fall down on me. Let's hope not. But it's going this way. So if all these things come on me, uh, I don't know. It's God telling me to shut up, maybe. I don't know. Okay, I'm glad you're all here, and I'm glad that uh, you asked some questions, and I'm glad that almost every one of you told me explicitly that uh, nobody could hear me. So <laughs> let's go now and uh, go from there, and let's work on things, and I'll take your questions now, and we'll see where all this leads. Let's go to the beginning after everybody says, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. Okay, we'll pray for you, Judith, who's going to be with uh, Sisters of the Poor for Missionaries of the Poor. That'll be fantastic. Okay. Father, can you give some insight into approximately how long after Jesus was crucified that Saul, St. Paul Saul had the conversion on the road to Damascus? I do not know. It couldn't have been too long after because all the apostles are still alive. Um Again, that would be one of those questions. I'm not a scripture scholar. I am more of a scripture liver, I hope. You know, I'm trying to live it, but I don't, uh, and I know it, but I don't know all the, like a question like that is something I, uh, I would just be guessing at. So best thing, put that in Google, and you're going to get lots of uh, responses with that. Good afternoon from Northern California. Honky tonk. Um, good afternoon. Please discuss what Catholics believe about the second coming. I hear such things as tribulation, seven years, a thousand years, the Antichrist, etc. I want to be aligned with the church teaching. The, uh, the end times will happen the moment you die. Listen, they have been talking about the end times. The reason it took so long to write the scriptures is because they thought Jesus was coming back next week. And he didn't come. And so they thought, you know, even Paul, uh, St. Peter says, uh, a thousand years are like a day and a day is like a thousand years because he had to start dealing with it because he didn't come back right away. That's why they didn't write anything down. That's why, you know, they were talking about selling all you have and give to the poor because Christ is coming next week. So let's be ready. And then he didn't come. And then they go, okay, we better start writing things down. That's why it took like 30 years before they even start writing. Well, Paul's letters and that were there. But again, it took a while before they wrote things down and before we got our 27 books of the New, uh, the New Testament. And so, uh, but when people talk about, you know, the tribulations or, you know, the Protestants have their things and the rapture, and we always say there'll be a rupture before there'll be a rapture. But, and then you get some of the saints, like I was talking with a priest the other day, and he was talking about uh, different apparitions to talk about the Blessed Mother says God's going to come and get us all. And I says, uh, is that the same God that went to the cross and died on the cross for my sins? Are we talking about the same God here? So again, to me, it's always goes back to the scriptures. And so, but we have to look at these scriptures because you can talk about some will be people taken in the sky. You have to always take scriptures in the fullness and not just one or two um, 
scripture verses. And some people do that all the time. And so we don't know when Christ is coming back. But you got to be always be ready. And again, that's why I always go back to St. Francis of Assisi. Someone came up to him once, and you've heard this from me, or if you read it in my surrender book, and says, uh, Francis, and he was outside hoeing his garden, and he says, Francis, what if you knew that you were going to die in an hour? What would you do? And he says, I'd keep hoeing my garden. Why? Because he was doing God's will. So with all the tribulations and all the stuff, if it scares you into doing something, that's good, but it's selfish. If you're seeking only to do God's will, whenever he comes, whether he comes in the clouds at the end of time, which we pray for every time we say the Lord's Prayer, you know, your kingdom come. Huh? We're praying for him to come back, the end of war, the end of pain, the end of suffering, the end of judgment, the end of hatred. Where God loves us and we love him and we love each other forever, wouldn't that be a great day when Jesus comes again? Or he comes the day you and I take our last breath. Won't that be a great day when Jesus comes to take us home? And if you're still afraid, then you're not seeking God's will. Because if you're living God's will, you have nothing to be afraid of. But if you're only living for yourself, even your Christianity, even your Catholicism about you and you got to get to heaven again, again, and again, it's selfish. You got to want, you want to go to heaven? Then do God's will. Let that be your goal every day. Then if he comes and takes you, you're just doing what he wants you to do. You have nothing to be afraid of. But if you do everything your way, it be it your Catholicism, be it your Christianity, be it your uh, whatever it is, my way then you're going to be worried. And when he does come, it's not going to be pleasant. Your will be done is something we got to be saying and living every day of our life. So focus on living God's will, and you don't have to be afraid. Okay? Hopefully that helps. No sound, no sound. Silence. Microphone is not working. It was working. I didn't turn it on. Uh, no sound here either. Is a transitional deacon, if a transitional deacon is laicized by choice, can he later become a permanent deacon? Um, I have no idea. I really don't have any idea. I would think so, but I, I'm not sure. Depends on, I, I, again, I don't know. Yep. Again, it would be one of those questions. It's always better to me say, I don't know, than to me saying something that's not true. Okay, I repeat, oh, well, got it, Audrey. But tell us about all your travel. Again, I was uh, in, um, I started in Phoenix. I went to Phoenix. And the hardest thing these last days was just being in the different time zones. So in Phoenix, I was two hours difference from here. And I got to, had a fantastic time. The bishop there, Bishop John Dolan, is a great friend of mine. So I got to stay with him at uh, the bishop's residence. And I got to celebrate Mass with him because he did an all-day retreat on Friday. And then um, we just, he was exhausted. So all as we did, it was him and the vicar general, young guy, great guy, uh, Father Muir, uh, sat there and we just got pizza and had a drink and relaxed and talked and had a fantastic time. So it was so good to be with them. But even, well, I won't say even better, but 
very good also is I got to stay sleep in the same bed John Paul II did when he was in Phoenix. He used the same bathroom, he used the whole thing. I was like, I'm, I'm in a second, I was part of a second class relic or third class relic. I was so excited because uh, I, again, I've loved every single Pope the Lord has given us because I know God chooses them. And so I know that, so John Paul II's a saint. Benedict's going to be a saint, and I promise you Francis is going to be a saint. Some of you might go, ah! Don't think the way the world thinks. Think the way God thinks. Huh? There was a cardinal in this uh, things I was involved in today, and they says, this cardinal who's evil, wait till he gets damned forever by God. Not those exact words, but he talked about the judgment that's coming upon him. And I'm thinking, as soon as you say that, sir, you're bringing that judgment upon yourself. So, but I was so excited. So there I was in Phoenix and then I gave the talk, hurried up and left. And then I flew to uh, Dallas. And then in Dallas, I sat there and rented a car, went down to Waco, was with the W, uh, the, our men's, um, <laughs> oh, what the heck, uh, the, the group that I'm on the board of, we had a fantastic time, had mass for them uh, the next day. And, uh, then I drove three and a half hours to Rwanda, Texas, and it was fantastic. Literally the middle of nowhere. But the people were fantastic. Full church. I was expecting maybe 10. They don't even have a gas station in this town. It was unbelievable. As I'm driving, one guy says, you better sit there and make sure, Father, that, uh, that you make sure you get gas because you're going to... There was a long time between gas stations in the middle of there. So then I got to be with them that night. And then the next day I was with Rome Boys. And you got to look up Rome Boys. Rome Boys is, they're a podcast. There's three guys, uh, only two guys this time, because the one I'm coming into town all that time. And he went on vacation and uh, wasn't there, the pagan. But anyway, but the other two were there, had a fantastic time. Uh, spoke for an hour and 45 minutes, so they're going to break that up. Uh, answered a bunch of questions that they had. Some probably will get me in trouble um, because people won't like my answers. And you cannot like my answers all you want, but you better pray about them first instead of reacting. Was, because my thing is always calling us to grow. So make sure that before you dismiss it, if you listen to any of that stuff, that you pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you. And if it's not for me, then dismiss it. Uh, and then, so after that, then I drove back up to Dallas, got a hotel, and then left the next morning and came back here, saw my stepfather, who's in the nursing home now. And, uh, and so I leave again, because this uh, Monday I'll be doing a parish mission, and I'm going to be in... Um, Oh dear, where am I going to be? So I'd encourage you to come. It's next week and uh, Monday through Friday. And it's going to be at Christ the King Church in Ferdinand, Indiana. I have to fly into Louisville, Kentucky and then drive the hour and a half to Ferdinand, Indiana. So if you're anywhere in that area, every night we're going to be from 6.30 to 8.30. So... Uh, 
We start every night. It's two hours, 6.30, 8.30 the first night. We talk about prayer, and I'll take you through a prayer experience, how to pray. The next night, Valentine's Day, we'll see what the crowd's like then. We'll talk about family and the importance of family. And it'd be one of the best Valentine gifts you can give to your family is to come to this mission because it brings a lot of healing to families on the second night. Third night is the Passion of Christ, where I talk about the, the uh, what it cost Jesus to love us and forgive us and get everybody ready for confession. And then we have confessions. And then the last night is about adoration of the Blessed Sacrament and healing. And we anoint everybody with St. Joseph's oil. So if you're in that area, that part of Indiana or uh, Kentucky, come on down. It will be uh, hopefully very blessed and a great, a great time. So that'll be next week. Okay. So I've been praying for all the priests, some beautiful thing happening and. I went to my local parish. Very good, Julie. Call your husband a pagan for me. I was going to wear the, the, the gray jacket you guys got me when I was out there, and, but I was walking out the door. Oh, I should, uh, so I got the my red thing on. So there you go. Andy, okay, Julia, I have no sound in live chats. Sorry, hopefully you do it now. Father, sometimes Jesus' words are so deep. Can you please explain today's gospel? Um where today's gospel let me look i preached on genesis today that it's not good for the man to be alone and the gospel was uh, pretty strong today it was about um uh, yeah when god calls that woman a dog <laughs> i always talk about that he says he must have been having a bad day in his humanity you see this is why we got to watch when we talk about jesus when we, again, I encourage everybody, what Lent happens, what I've been telling the men and what I'm going to be telling my parishioners, what I encourage every one of you to do is this Lent to read the Gospels, just the four Gospels. Don't do everything else, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And don't you have to do anything else except for take a pen and a piece of paper, a tablet, and go through how did Jesus think? How did, what did Jesus teach? And how did Jesus live? Because it's going to give you a glimpse that we think Jesus tiptoed through the tulips. But Jesus said some hard things. Notice he usually only said hard things to the people that thought they were good and holy. The sinners he was very gentle to. So it'll give you to try to get the mindset of God to do something like that. And so when you see something like this and you think, that's kind of harsh. And sometimes, and again, Padre Pio did very harsh things outside and inside the confessional. So he once sat there and said something that he was yelling at somebody and one of the other brothers came up and says, Padre, when you do that, you offend them. He says, I want to offend them. And so sometimes Jesus would say hard things to instill faith, right? Because what happens? He sits there and says, I got to take care of my, the, the Jews first, you know, and I, we, don't, we don't take uh, food away from the children and give it to the dogs. Hmm? And then what does she do? She replied, Lord, even the dogs eat the scraps. She made an act of faith, even when it seemed hard. And what did her act of faith do? Then he said to her, for saying this, you may go. The demon is gone from your daughter. We have to always know that God is always working for our good. Even though, like, again, even when things are getting hard, like sometimes, uh, like my a doctor who just retired, he says, do you think God uh, sends, because I've had a hard year, as everybody knows. Do you think God tests us, he's asked me, and I says, 
I think he allows us to go through things to strengthen our faith. So all the stuff that happened to me last year, if I just look at it, I could despair sometimes. You know, I often look at the life of John Paul II. He lost everybody by the time he was 22. He became an orphan. He watched a friend of his killed next to him as he was walking next to him by the communists. He could have cursed God, but he trusted in spite of the hardships. And so sometimes when we have hardships or God seems to be strong on us, we got to keep going on, keep persevering, keep having faith. And God will acknowledge that and hear us. So again, if you want an explicit, uh, well, what does that mean? Again, put it in Google. You're going to find a thousand commentaries on that about how he meant it, why he meant it, what was the context it was said, and that'll be helpful for you. Okay. Okay. Oh, yes, power happened when we didn't have the teaching of Acts. Jolie, hi, I've been praying for you and all priests. This beautiful thing happened. Good. Hi, Father Larry. How do you tell the difference between depression, desolation, and going through the dark night of the soul? What are the ways to manage it spiritually? Again, the dark night of the soul, uh, if you want to read the book, it'll help you. One of the ways to know if you're in a dark night of the soul is you won't be in any sin right that uh, the purification you're dealing with sins getting out of your life so if not it's um, like no mortal sin anyway if you uh you could be but depressed in that can just be from your body being depressed you know sometimes like if i get down which i do i sit there and often i'll just go into something because what you think is what you feel and i'll either read scripture or i'll go to a motivational or inspirational thing on youtube and just hearing something that's positive can jump me out of it but sometimes you know like i take vitamin b6 you know because i need that to keep me going uh to keep me from falling into uh Oh, negativity. That's the way I, when I'm depressed, that's the way I get. I get negative and I just get, uh, and that's why the Holy Spirit has to keep setting me on fire so I get the heck out of the way, you know. So, but let me get some of these questions here. Dear Father Larry, thank you for praying for my five-year-old nephew. Of course, I have a question. I live near St. Louis where the exorcism occurred in the movie The Exorcist about. I am not afraid or focused on this, but since everyone from that time was passed away, journals and letters have come out from people who were there. These kinds of things happen more than we think. The journals from eyewitnesses were terrifying to say the least. Have you ever helped with one? No, my spiritual director was the exorcist of the diocese. That's why I was, he was my spiritual director. <laughs> but when you have God inside of you, you have the spirit of the living God. He's always more powerful than the devil. So you focus on Jesus. Don't waste your time being focused on the devil. Tell him to go to hell. He was like, oh, don't do that. You get him mad at you. Shut up. God is greater and God lives inside of you. A spirit of the living God, the power of God is inside of you. So thank you for Anchored and Hope. I really enjoy the weekly podcast. Very good. I have a question about unforgivable sins. I was reading the gospel, da, da, da. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of eternal sin. What does this mean? Again, most of you will never ever be able to do it. The one we know that did an unforgivable sin was Satan because he knew the fullness of God and he rejected him. For you to do an unforgivable sin is you have to know the fullness of God and reject him, huh? which most people wouldn't do. Or to say, I'm unforgivable, then God cannot forgive you because you uh, will not allow him to. So 
And again, look it up. You'll find lots of other things. But in the time I got, I can only give you a little bit. You said something on your February 2nd show that surprised me. Usually I should say lots that surprise you. Anyway, you said there will be probably a schism within the Catholic Church. Yes, I, and I, yep, I think so. I'm a new Catholic just accepting the full communion in October. So this is disheartened me if there's the vision to this extent in the church. It doesn't need to. Focus on Jesus, focus on his unity, focus on the magisterium, you're gonna be fine. I was really drawn to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Would you explain what you mean by this? Do you expect very conservative cardinals and bishops to create the schism? How could they do that and what would it look like? Uh, and you mentioned some highly Catholic speakers who would probably go along with it. Uh, do you mean like, I'm gonna say, cause I don't ever talk about anybody specifically. Which brings me to the second question. I was once a registered Republican. All my voting life until 2016 presidential election. Now that God has renewed my life in him and led me to my husband in the Catholic Church, I am confused about how to vote. I really don't like the Republican Party as it is today. Um, yes, I always say you got to vote vote platform. I am an independent, uh, purposely, because I cannot, uh, both of them have issues. But... Uh, Abortion, killing of babies is such a, a strong uh, thing on Republicans. I'm not saying, I mean, on Democrats. I'm not saying all Democrats are going to hell. You must go to hell like some of the priests are saying and people send them money and everybody thinks it's the greatest thing. He's a courageous priest. A courageous priest will do anything to bring people to Jesus Christ. That's who a courageous priest is. It isn't one who condemns the world. It doesn't agree with the way he sees things. That's the issue. All the people that are being disobedient, doing things their way, they're called courageous priests. A courageous priest is someone who will die for the magisterium of the church as it is given to us. They don't think that they know more than the Pope or the magisterium, and too many of them do. So let's go back. The thing that will bring division to church is the thing that's bring, bring division to church from the very beginning. That's how why we have Protestantism, is I want to do it my way. It's pride that brings division. Humility would never bring division. So whether it's the ultra conservatives that say, we know more than the Pope and we're gonna do this, and they will, I'm just mattering, because they think the next Pope is gonna be more conservative. Oh, I don't think that's gonna happen, but maybe. Or the liberals that sit there and think that, no, they don't go far enough and we need to call God. Uh, we don't know if he's a male or a female. Oh, stop it, all this stupidity. Pride will bring them down the way it brought down Satan. Humility will always bring unity. And so don't be afraid of a schism unless you'd be part of it. Stay firm, be humble, listen, obey, pray to the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit of God lead you and bring you into this intimacy of the Trinity. Great things can happen, but there's too much pride, way too much pride. And I'm a prideful person. It take, you know, so don't sit there and think, well, look at who's calling the kettle black. You got that right. But when it comes, obedience was a vow I made. And I've always kept it by God's grace. I don't always like it. We had to take obedience twice. But even when I'm fighting it, obedience is what I took. And every priest takes the same thing to respect and obey their bishops. And, of course, the Pope is part of that. So, if we're humble, we'll do God's will. We'll be too busy trying to bring others to Jesus and to be fighting about whether all this stuff is uh, of God or not of God. Okay. 
Do we know what Jesus looked like in heaven before he came to earth, or is he pure spirit? No, uh, he wasn't Jesus yet. He was the Word of God. When the Word of God became took on flesh, that's when he became Jesus. Jesus is the union a body, God and man, the hypostatic union, we call it. I sent money for masses, $10 a piece for each of my siblings, nieces and nephews and godchildren to a nearby abbey for Christmas gifts. Some of them were scheduled for the same day. So I asked if they have more than one mass per day and they replied they do not, just one. But they have eight friars celebrating mass, so they have eight mass intention. That's correct. One for each friar. Is that okay? Of course it's okay because it's the priest's intention at the mass that makes that mass for somebody. Of course it is. How does one deal with low self-image? Um, but not ready, uh, a remedy to make one proud. See yourself the way God sees you, and he sees you as a beloved son or daughter. That's where you get your self-image, not the way the world sees you. How does God see you? And God says, you are my beloved son or you are my beloved daughter. Father Larry, I heard from a homily that humble people are impossible to a friend. Exactly, just like I just talked. In fact, they'll even tell you they're worse than they are charged. Good yardstick fantastic yardstick so let's go back here please continue to pray for my family you got it julia audrey uh, all of us saint joe school after confirmation wanted to be nuns and priests so we received the sacrament but didn't understand but again you had faith though or it wouldn't have worked uh god love you thank you kevin father my son is receiving the sacrament of confirmation in may my parish are not fans of Pope Francis. <laughs> so you can imagine the teachings, heartbreaking. Please pray for our youth. Yeah. Oh my, absolutely. Um, Jolie praying for Mary. Jolie, I'm sorry to last week. Please forgive me. Of course I will. No worries. Again, I, that, there's nothing to be forgiven. You're allowed to say things, but I try to keep things in gear. Okay. I pray for surrender, open Holy Spirit. Uh, no other priest teaches the fullness of the Spirit. Harry, crikey, Father. Crikey, Father? Crikey. You sound like an old Baptist tonight. Spurgeon would be proud of you. Wesley would be burning with you. It's his, it's his line, a Wesley's line. Um, and John the Baptist. That's the way John the Baptist preached. I think that's the way the early apostles preached. I think that's the way Jesus Christ preached. That's why I could become very... Uh, gentle if i need to be and one-on-one i usually am but the preaching in the church is so dry anymore i just want to go oh please come on let's get excited by the spirit of the living god okay Ruth be known as kids we were taught fear and guilt and not love i know it's a way to control people out of fear the more we can instill fear in you the more we can control you and that is a problem, and that's been the way we have done things in a church for so too long. My car transmission went. I trusted Jesus, and the car swerved, but I was protected by the angels. Good job. How do you see God as Father when he lets us suffer terribly? Because, again, this world isn't our home. We're just passing through. We're going to be alive 100 billion years from now, and we're going to look back and think, remember that suffering I went through? And I mean, no, I don't remember. Suffering makes us grow, and it makes us strong. And we don't understand, but even Jesus, the Son of God, suffered on the cross, and God was there. We're not going to understand a lot of this until we're on the other side. That's where trust comes in. huh? If not, then everything means nothing. 
And that's even worse, if you ask me. When I was confirmed, I became a soldier of Christ. The priest tapped me our cheek. Yeah, they used to hit you. It used to be fantastic. Uh, this is awesome. When it comes to receiving the power of confirmation, can we pray with authority for sick and see them recover? Why don't we speak in tongues like in the Acts? I speak in tongues, but this isn't the time to get into it, and a lot of people do. But it's, uh, it's people who have surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Okay. I read Exodus 14, 14 yesterday, EWTN app. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be still. Makes me think of our adoration, your adoration chapel. Of course, I could hear you, Father Larry. Why is there no penitential rite in the funeral liturgy? Because um, there's certain things that can take the place of that. So, uh, you know, the funeral liturgy doesn't have a penitential rite. There's other, uh, other, part, other types of liturgies don't have penitential rite. It can be... Uh, uh, skipped. Okay, looked like he's taking questions from a different source. Nope, just here. Well, yeah, it was. These are the ones that wrote in emails. Okay, Father, I have not gone to mass on Sunday either because my baby was sick and because of sleepless nights with my toddler. And that's okay. The church has taught us it's okay. Uh, why are some Eastern Orthodox permitted to receive sacraments in the Catholic Church like Eucharist or confession? But it's illicit for Catholics to receive sacraments in Orthodox churches. Um, a lot of ortho, we're allowed, depending on where, we're allowed, but a lot of Orthodox wouldn't let us receive the sacraments because uh, they don't see all, again, depending, Orthodox are very different all over. Byzantines were allowed to receive communion no matter what, but Orthodox where it gets to be a little, a little present because they don't uh, follow the Pope as the head of the church. Hello, Father, can you give some, taking a, say, yeah, I already did that, and I don't know all the things about that, about a uh, woman today. Should I always confess that sin? Again, I don't go to Mass later. I, I should go in the morning, but I'm really tired. He's non-practicing Catholic. I will watch your Mass. Yes, but you need to get to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus so you can live forever. Okay. Julie, I can't get to any of those things right now. Harry, I was baptized as an infant, but I only came to faith in 2013. Here we go. Very good. I got to go see my shrink. Again, next week, God willing, I will be doing this podcast from the church and uh, where I'm at in Indiana. And so I ask you to pray for me, pray for the people I will be speaking to, and then I'll be back on next Friday. God willing, know that I pray for you and I love you and I ask you to please pray for me. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.